Welcome to the Life is a Ceremony podcast by Petiti Institute. We're inspired to share practical insights to engage everyday life as an evolutionary journey. Every moment is an opportunity to practice. If you would like to send us a question or a comment or a donation, you're welcome to visit www.paititi-institute.org. That's www.paititi-institute.org. In this episode, Roman Hannes discusses fiercely standing for fearless love, how simple practice and living ancestral wisdom can help us remember that love equals health, vitality, and well-being. This is an interesting topic, and especially right now in the world, to me, it seems that the reaction of people that are facing uh, this global epidemic is more essential than uh, the physical condition itself. So the ability of us to actually work through the common reactions of fear, mongering, and panic, and anxiety, and stress, and preoccupation that's actually very essential in our capacity to engage with our health on all levels. Today I was watching a little bit earlier in Peru, we are in Mexico right now, and we are watching what's happening in Peru, and there is martial law, and actually the situation is uh, such where people are using the statement of love for your closed ones, as a way to generate more fear and anger. They say, well, look, those people are sticking their heads out of their houses. Everyone's supposed to stay inside. And because of that, they don't love each other and we're supposed to hate them now. Which is a very disempowering kind of dynamic. And so with this situation in the world, of course, there are many different perspectives and views. And some people believe in the virus, other people believe in other things. And there are different extremes that people can go into. And it's very essential to recognize that within all of the extremes of how to engage with this current situation, it's uh, very essential not to give in into the herd mentality and into the panic and anxiety and stress and maintain an actual inner well-being and uh, the openness of the heart and not to be disturbed because of the disturbance. There is a lot to the psychology behind the illnesses and a lot to the mental reactions and uh, the emotional experiences that we have in the face of all kinds of conditions that are happening today. So the psychology, this uh, placebo effect that has been proven to be quite effective actually in the treatment of illnesses. And then it can also be quite effective in uh, the exacerbation of health conditions and illnesses. How do we choose to work with this placebo effect? It has been proven in neuropsychology how our inner well-being is influencing our physical body. How if we are actually just stick our head into the ground and shake with fear, the likelihood of us getting sick is much greater. And so whether this situation right now is a result of a virus or a result of uh, new technologies being implemented, it's important to maintain that adaptability that small children have. And it's been proven, it's been shown that actually children are not getting sick with this illness 
to the degree that the adults do, if at all. And then for us to be able to adapt to this childlike essence that the indigenous wisdom traditions speak about in great length, and there are many practices that help to bring us into that inner balance, into that openness, receptivity, to come out of the bias of our minds and to maintain well-being, to not get lost in this common herd mentality reaction and to maintain our own consciousness, our own presence in the face of everything that is taking place. And so then, of course, uh, within all of these situations right now, I was contemplating that within this situation, the invisible enemy is actually giving many people an excuse to grasp onto the next thing that they have in their lives and to blame that. And then uh, people start to blame foreigners who are traveling and spreading the disease, or people are blaming the government, and people are blaming the technology, people are blaming everything that they can actually connect with. And actually, it's this tendency to blame. It's this tendency to react and to perpetuate this anxiety in a very generic way that is taking place on the collective level. So to me personally, it's very fascinating to see how this psychological illness works. The reaction of people to me is more important than the illness because it's this widespread panic and this franticness that people in the world are experiencing is actually more damaging from what I see than the illness itself. It's up to each one of us to not perpetuate that. In times of crisis, in situations like this, only one individual, and each individual can be that one individual, has the power to stop that vicious cycle, to stop this downward spiral from continuing to happen. And so how can each one of us engage with that and actually share well-being and heart-centeredness with people close in our lives instead of just continuing this reaction? So this is the time that we can actually all reach out to each other. And I've been seeing that happening in a very beautiful way where we can actually be the protectors, the guardians of love still staying here in this world. In times like this, instead of projecting our doubts and fears and confusion to each other, to actually share that spark of inspiration, that passion in our lives. And so that's also been so beautiful to witness people do that across distances and people reaching out and sharing that inspiration and it's been uh, really beautiful to connect with people within our global community and do the practices and the breath work and the qigong and to have the stocks where we can actually have that heart connection no matter what we can maintain that and support each other through everything love can be that power that stops the epidemic of fear and anxiety. And then it can be also that individual practice within each of our lives. Even when we are not engaging with each other on the world wide web, 
we can still be that with oneself and make that a real focus in our lives to embrace that fearful mind to cradle that fearful mind in the embrace of loving kindness within each one of us there is that ugly duckling that is kind of afraid and shaking in its boots and then there's also that unconditional love of the mother and then it's this mind that we can really bring into the embrace of the heart and then learn how to maintain that throughout our lives and on a biological level that has a direct result it's this uh, parasympathetic nervous system that is activated when we are in a state of harmony in a state of love and when there is this franticness and anxiety and worry and the shortness of breath that happens on a very superficial lung level then the body is much more prone to illness through all of that that's what i see the most essential and of course there are many different methods and ways to remind us of that breath is a very powerful one to keep returning into this deep slow breath and to see how that regulates our vagal system how that calms our down and brings us back into presence into centeredness certain exercises like uh, qigong and yoga can also have that effect the creative expression is very powerful is a very powerful means to work with that whether it's through music through dance through painting those are all ways for us to come back into the childlike essence and so i see that uh, everything that is happening right now is bringing that message if we choose to see it and it is in the face of adversity that the human spirit can shine the most it's up to us to remember how this is not the first time that this has happened in the world and we are here a result of our ancestors who've gone through great epidemics in the past and uh, the way that our ancestors have been able to move through those epidemics was by remembering the greater purpose in their lives by remembering that there will be future generations who are watching this video right now who will actually necessitate that connection of the heart who will necessitate that reminder to come back into the breath to come back into presence to not be swayed by the media that is fear-mongering and this is something that is a very potent reminder how our ancestors have survived because of being able to maintain that greater purpose to remember that there are future generations that are at stake that will be grateful for the ancestors not to get lost in all of those turmoils that the civilization has gone through in the past and so yeah it's good to enjoy every breath while we still have it to really open ourselves to everything that is happening and to see that the power of the heart is greater than that and so then how do we work with this transformation process 
transforming this fear and anxiety. And in uh, our Tibetan lineage, there is this symbol of the wrathful protectors, the wrathful protectors of compassion. And if you can see on my shirt, I have uh, an image of one of those wrathful protectors. And to me, for a while, it was hard to understand that. What does it mean, a wrathful protector of compassion? Because compassion in these ancient traditions is something that is an inherent quality of our indestructible true nature. In itself, it doesn't have to be protected. And yet, in this confused world, where we close ourselves off to the essential nature in our own being, the access to that compassion needs to be protected. And this is the resolve within each one of us. The resolve that each one of us can take on in our lives to not let that access be shut down. And to maintain the access to compassion within our own being under all circumstances and then to share that access with people around us in our lives. People who are just don't know any better who get confused and lost. And so to be that wrathful protector of compassion, no matter what, not to let that access portal to the heart close, that requires quite a resolve and perseverance and steadfastness in our lives. Because it's easy to be heart-centered when everything is nice around us. But when the whole world is crumbling, that's really when the practice comes in. And of course, it's from those little situations in our lives that we can gather the resolve to maintain that in the greater experiences, in the greater turmoils. The Buddhist teacher, Thich Nhat Hanh, who was a dear friend of Martin Luther King Jr. and other world leaders and uh, Mahatma Gandhi, they actually shared how, yeah, this is our greatest power is in that open heart. And in the situations where everyone are panicking, and Thich Nhat Hanh was sharing how when uh, there was that situation in Vietnam and people were panicking and running for their lives and all it took was just one individual who did not panic to be that pillar of stability and support for others to relate to and then not to get lost in that panic and in that way not to lose their lives. Because no one can really harm us, including the illnesses and diseases. In my experience, and I've gone through a few, and the only thing that is the most harmful that I found through my own experience is my own fear, is my own panic and stress that I give away the power of my life to. And then it's a downward spiral. So no matter what happens with the physical illness or all kinds of external turmoils or situations in the world, it's up to each one of us to be that wrathful protector of compassion to have that resolve not to let that portal of the heart close down in this world 
And in this way, then we can actually, each one of us, be that support to each other. We can recognize that there are other protectors of that essential heart-centeredness in the world right now. And whatever is happening, we can maintain that focus. And then see how the healing comes through that. To me, it's a breath of fresh air. It's uh, this shared organism that we are all connected to. And of course, I see that I wish that for my child. I wish that for my future child that is gestating right now. And I wish that for all children in the world. And I see that deep down inside, I'm also a child. And I'm also struggling. And go through my own experiences and turmoils. And then keep remembering to cradle that child in the embrace of the heart. And so those are the essential points that are coming up for me at this time in the world. And there are many messages that are happening. And it is this dream language that we will be engaging with that relates to the hero's journey. That beyond this mundane circumstances and the shortage of toilet paper and hand sanitizers, there is this greater purpose of transcendental proportions that is knocking on each of our individual doors right now in our lives. And how you can recognize this message, this communication that comes through the greater whole that is specifically encouraging us to awaken a greater capacity of the heart, to recognize that we each have unconditional nature boundless nature, immeasurable nature. It's not this limited tunnel vision mentality, this scarcity, fear-based state, but beyond this superficial layer, there's something that is immeasurable. And it has to do with our own being, our own nature, that is awakening right now to the surface, that is emerging in the world today. And it's something that happens on a very practical level. It is something that takes place when everything is shut down, when uh, we don't know how to provide for our families in the future, when uh, we don't know where the food is going to come from because the farmers need to stay home in isolation, which is what's happening in Peru right now. And it's in those situations that are very practical, very pragmatic in the world today that this transcendental message is hiding, is waiting for us to decode that message and bring it back into the heart. And of course, if we can recognize this message and cultivate it in this situation, then it can be something much more continuous in our lives. And so, for me, I find that very helpful. Not to run away from the problems, not to go into movie binging and avoid different uh, problems in the world, but to see how my heart can actually embrace that. How this awareness can be centered in the heart in a way that is not avoiding the issues, but is seeing how all of those issues in the world are the wake-up calls to keep awakening, to keep relating to each other more deeply 
to keep opening to each other. And so this is the wake-up call. This is that language of the universe that the ancestors have worked with. It's an encoded language. And it's up to each one of us to learn how to understand this language of the greater organism. This wisdom that is not based on the mind, but it's the wisdom of well-being, the wisdom of presence. At this time, I don't want to be the only one that just keeps speaking about it, and I do know that there is a lot of collective wisdom and intelligence present among all of us. And so I want to encourage people to share, to write your experiences, your insights in the comments right now, and uh, then we can reflect on them collectively, and of course, also your struggles. Because it is our collective experience and our shared struggles that keep bringing the wisdom of the heart, that keep bringing this wake-up call for all of us to open up and relate with each other. And I do appreciate everyone in my life who are going through such a great diversity of experience and allow me to keep reflecting and seeing that reflection of myself in everyone and everyone in myself. So please, if you have any questions, struggles, insights, comments, specifically relating to the transformation of fear and anxiety, we all know about the different conspiracy theories and uh, all kinds of things that are happening, but it's really how to engage with well-being, with inner balance and harmony in everything that is happening. Thank you. Um, I'm going to read a question from the side of the screen here, um, from Aaron. It, it's a question and comment saying, if everyone seems to be losing themselves and you're not in, on their wavelength, how do you know you're not being arrogant or deluded seeing yourself as a wrathful protector or more heart-centered than others? Mm, thank you, Aaron. That's a good one. I'm definitely losing it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I can relate. So it's not like, oh, yeah, everything is happening to everyone else, but uh, it's not happening to me. No, I have to be honest with myself. And I have to see, and, and that's where the practice, because I'm not the wrathful protector. I'm definitely far from it. And like I shared in our Tibetan tradition, those are the enlightened aspects of our mind. That it's up to each one of us to really focus on, to really recognize, okay, in this situation where I'm losing myself, where my mind is losing it, how can I bring that focus to that capacity that the nature within me has? My mind keeps distracting me and keeps carrying me off, but it's up to me to recognize how easily I forget, how easily I get carried off. And because of that, because I can recognize that, then I have a greater resolve and motivation to practice and to engage in relatedness, to see that others are losing it too. And so I can take an extra breath because of that. There is a greater purpose than just my own life. Because of my children, I don't want to perpetuate this anxiety and fear-based mentality. And so I can have a greater resolve 
to maintain the focus of the mind, to maintain that inner practice and not to just run off and get lost in this dynamic that my mind very much wants to do. And so then I see, because I see that, then I have the motivation to actually practice and to see that there are specific reminders that the ancestors have left us. There are different ways that I can also learn from my own life, the creative processes. Okay, maybe I can bring that shadow into the light together in a painting or through music or through anything creative in my life. I can engage with my child and see how my child gets frantic so easily, just like me at times. And then that gives me motivation to be more present with the child when my child is screaming, my physical child. And then that gives me motivation to also tend to the inner child that wants to scream and run off. And so the wrathful protector is uh, something that uh, I can cultivate as an attitude in life. It's not who I am per se, but it's this attitude in life where how can I engage each situation with greater openness? Experiences come and go. I can have an experience of being someone and that will go, but how can I engage with every changing moment? And that is very meaningful in my own experience at this time. Thank you, Aaron. Rukhan, is, it's more a comment, but I think it, it would be useful to address. Um, it's a, thank you, I feel most calm and clear in crisis when others are struggling. When the pandemic hit, I felt I could be of service and had something to offer. The problem is that no one seems to want my gifts. Not being able to flow my gifts is um, the primary cause of me being ill. Mm. Yeah, that's also a very potent one. That's a really good question and reflection. And this reminds me of a Zen story when uh, this uh, is a story from the Shaolin monastery when uh, a student asked the teacher at a certain point, he said, hey, tell me, why do we have to learn all of those martial arts? And at the same time, the main teaching is nonviolence. And the whole time we are learning about martial arts, but we never actually fight anyone. And we are working in the garden all day long. And the teacher looked at them and said, you know, he said, uh, it's better to be a warrior in the garden than a gardener in war. Yeah, of course, situations of crisis do have the potential to really activate that resolve and inner capacity and sometimes the worst is when nothing is happening when it's just the routine mundane life and to really recognize the hero's journey in that situation to me also it's very challenging and that's why this language this dream language that i mentioned about that we will be engaging in where it's in the midst of the most mundane situations in the grocery store, or in front of the computer, or um, just dealing with certain habitual patterns of behavior to recognize the hero's journey in the most mundane, boring situations. 
is actually the most profound practice in my life. And then when I can engage with it in those situations, then when the difficulty come, when the crisis come, I can also maintain that presence and calmness and not uh, get lost in the whatever Messiah syndrome or think that suddenly, yeah, I'm here to save everyone. No, I'm just as lost as everyone else. And that gives me the motivation to relate and to find the clarity and to find a deeper perspective. And that's how my teachers taught me. If you are confused, the way to resolve confusion, at least you have to be clear with yourself about being confused. And then to see how if your whole purpose of life is to help others, then are you doing that to avoid yourself? To avoid facing yourself? Because then that actually is missing the point. And so to share something, not because of I want to help others and they don't recognize me and I just want to be acknowledged, but because I find that meaningful for myself. And I will keep sharing that through being, whether this is uh, something that is acknowledged or not, I find that helpful for myself. And then because of that, I can relate and I can also honor what others find helpful for themselves. And I can honor that inherent wisdom and see how it takes all of us. And in the healing traditions that we work with, and I am engaged in the healing arts, and this is the calling of my life, I've learned that the best way, the most meaningful way that I can truly benefit others is by opening myself to their own wisdom, to the benefit that each individual is channeling through their own being. And the more that I can recognize that inherent wisdom in everyone, the more I can benefit everyone. But if I think that I'm better than others, then it's that same vicious cycle. I constantly find myself in miserable company, and that's not a very fun way to live my life. But if I see how great everyone are, how actually everyone have this inherent wisdom, everyone have their own piece of the puzzle to share, how can we all engage together in this way? And in this way, then I can share my own piece of the puzzle and honor everyone else's. So thank you, that's also very meaningful in, in this process. So keep asking questions or sharing your insights or struggles. Um, it's a comment from Rihanna. Mm -hmm. um, says, I'm finding this time is an immense opportunity to remove the veils of perception with so much movement on the multiple levels happening. The choice seems to be either to get lost in the chaos or face and really be with what's surfacing from within. I have levels of buried trauma coming up with more clarity than before. I find my mind and heart rearranging on a regular basis. We all need to keep remembering that there's a greater orchestration going on that's transforming everything. I keep choosing this. I fall, then I remember. Mm, beautiful. Thank you, Rihanna. That's also, uh, I find that there's a lot of wisdom in this, how to balance between this external adversity and uh, the turmoil of the collective and also maintain the grounding, maintain the anchor within one's own being and process. 
to me that's also a continuous dance. I have to balance on the edge of a knife, so to speak. I find that it takes this continuous recognition, okay, what am I ready for in terms of fully facing the collective fear or the collective suffering? And then how can I be prepared for that? Because I can talk about how to be open to everything, but when it, the push comes to shove, and there's so much anxiety that I'm opening myself up and I'm not prepared for that, then no matter how much I would like to, I will get swept away by it. And so to actually have this inner nest that I can return into, that I can keep nurturing this seed of the heart to come out of this vulnerable place and to become that wish-fulfilling tree that is steadily rooted in unconditional love. It takes practice. And I have to be realistic with myself in that term. Yeah, all of this can bring up some deep traumas on individual and collective levels. And then this is the practice in our Amazonian uh, indigenous living wisdom traditions that relate to relatedness, and it's called the anchor practice. Okay, I have to first learn how to anchor in well-being, and then start challenging that well-being in increasingly more difficult situations. In these traditions, it's considered that yeah, we are all meant to be happy just like birds fly in the sky, and the only thing that prevents us from that is our own forgetfulness, not trusting in that innate capacity of the fearless love and then getting swept away. So the first step in that is to actually remember all of the memories, all of the situations in our lives where everything was so supportive of that inner openness, where I was surrounded by friends and loved ones and beautiful experiences that were really reaffirming to that openness of the heart. And then I could open myself up and blossom because everything was there providing that fertile ground for the heart. And then the more that I can recognize that those glimpses of peak experiences in my life, they were actually portals. They were glimpses of who each one of us really is. It's that inherent happiness and some situations are more supportive of that and some situations are less supportive of that and then of course in my life and in the lives of many others I can see how we tend to associate that openness of the heart with those very specific circumstances and then long for that oh I can open my heart only when certain people are around or I can open my heart only when everything around me is a certain way. And when it's not, then I cannot do that. And this seed of the heart is not based on the circumstances. Those particular circumstances were there in our lives just to remind us that this essential nature is who we truly are. And then 
when I can remember that and I can keep encouraging that essence beyond appearances, beyond specific circumstances, to abide as that inherent wisdom of well-being, and then I can start bringing that essence into increasingly more challenging situations. It's not good to bring it into the worst trauma of our lives right away. But at first, maybe somebody stepped on my toes yesterday. Somebody grabbed that toilet paper right before my eyes as soon as I was going to go for it. And then to maintain that presence of the heart. And it's a practice. It's an exercise. It's like flexing a muscle. So then how can I encourage that in increasingly more difficult situations to not lose heart? And then the more that I can do it, the more I can engage with more and more difficult experiences in my life and maintain that anchor of the heart until it becomes more and more continuous, unwavering and steadfast. Thank you, Rihanna. In a way, this relates to what you were just sharing. So um, uh, one person asked, uh, how do you heal tra emotional trauma? Mm. Healing emotional trauma very much relates to the previous question. And again, I'm referring to the remembrance practice in the indigenous Amazonian uh, living wisdom tradition that we work with. And this practice, healing with emotional trauma, again, the first thing has to do with connecting to the spark of well-being in yourself. Before you get into the emotional traumas, remember all of those peak blissful experiences in your life where you could feel completely at ease, where you could relax fully, feel supported, safe, nurtured. And then when you remember those situations, at first the situations themselves, they help us to come back into that essential nature. This essential nature that we've all experienced since we were in the mother's womb. When the consciousness of the child and the consciousness of the mother were inseparable. Where everything was provided for. Where each one of us were, was completely supported and nourished and nurtured. And then we experienced other situations in our lives where there was that nurturing container for us to fully open and be that innocent, joyful, passionate self. And so the more that you can remember that, the more that you can anchor in that state of being beyond appearances, beyond circumstances, beyond specific situations, but the specific situations initially, they are helpful to remember that state on the level of being. And then bringing that into gradually more challenging situations. Again, not recommended to do it in the worst, with the worst trauma of our lives right away. But eventually, in order to heal the trauma, in these traditions, one has to go. One has to prepare oneself enough and then go into the worst trauma of one's life while being able to maintain that anchor of well-being, of the open, tender heart and trust in the power of the heart to actually embrace you 
through the tremendous pains that you have gone through. And this also brings us back into the mother's womb and how all of these ancient traditions, whether it's the Amazonian or Indian or the Northern Native American tradition, they have specific practices that teach us how to come back into the dark womb of creation and remember the unconditional love that carries us through the dark night of our soul so that we can be born from it in our highest essence and potential and carry that in our lives and provide that unconditional love for those dear to us in our lives. So these are the basic approaches that the indigenous traditions take and it takes training and practice and perseverance to learn how to maintain that in increasingly more difficult circumstances. And so then re-experiencing the original trauma. And I have to say, even in the mother's womb, we literally have to grow limbs, which can be very painful. And then to have that unconditional love that we can know and trust in those extremely painful moments in our lives is essential to come out of the trauma. Trauma, the original meaning of the word trauma, basically means unresolved pain, unresolved difficult experience that has not been digested and processed and recognized in its evolutionary purpose and meaning. And so to resolve the trauma, then to go through that again, but instead of being fearful and frantic and full of panic, to be heart-centered. And then to see how that experience can actually encourage that fearless compassion and encourage your greatest gift so that you can support others that go through difficulties in their lives by supporting yourself first and foremost. Thank you. Another question from Jen. Uh, question about laziness. Sometimes during this time, I can feel such laziness creep in, and I'm sure it's just numbing out or processing escaping. But I feel like I have two speeds right now. One, either fully alive and energetic and creating, or wanting to stay in bed and rest retreat. Uh, but I know it's for too long. This time is precious, and I can feel this is holding me back a bit. Mm, laziness. That's um, also related to the adversity in life. And I find that actually, even in the laziness or boredom, when you can really allow yourself to open up to it, instead of just trying to block it by going to sleep or just distracting yourself and going into instant gratifications. But if you can really open yourself, when I can open myself up to the laziness and feel the texture of that laziness, of that boredom, and not try to block it, suddenly I, I find the greatest aliveness within that. And I no longer wish to be lazy. But I have to fully open. That laziness, when I open myself to it, becomes the catalyst for awakening. When I can really open and I see, yeah, I just want to be doing nothing, 
and that's fine. How about I really do nothing? Not just watching and binging on TV or whatever, but to really be fully present with that experience. Or when I feel numb, even. I'm not feeling anything. I just feel numb. But if I can open myself, yeah, I feel numb. And I really allow myself to fully experience that numbness. I find myself to actually awaken to life. And then I can start to relate to others. And I start to feel a very profound experience of relatedness. Because I don't close myself or judge what is happening. And so again, it's this learning how to open to that verses, to the experiences that I judge and label in my mind. And I just want to cover it all up and just blame it on something or on myself even. And instead I can open up and say, yeah, I feel numb. I feel inadequate. I feel bored. I don't know how to engage in this situation, but if I don't judge that experience, that in itself becomes the portal to the heart to awaken. So that's something that I find useful. Thank you, Joy. Okay, one more question. I'm struggling with not being able to go and lay or even step on the bare earth with the stay-at-home orders, parking lots of parks closing. I live in a very urban environment, and even the little bits of earth surrounding have been sprayed with Roundup. I feel like a wild animal who has lost her habitat. How can I overcome this? Mm. Yeah, that's a big one, and also a lot of people are experiencing that right now. And also for us, we are here in Mexico, and just so it happened that destiny has brought us to be stuck in a more natural environment and at the same time we do spend a lot of time inside because here in Mexico there is no quarantine and we want to take care of our child and make them safe and so we do stay in voluntary quarantine here and what helps me to remember is that nature is who we are yeah there is nature outside of us that reminds us of that nature inside but nature is who we are our organism is nature and during our breathwork sessions that we do with our community online and the qigong sessions actually I do encourage everyone to be barefoot and even if you're on a carpet in your house or uh, on cement floor but uh, to be barefoot to actually open your feet to that bioelectromagnetic frequency then I find that that's still just when I jump when I stomp the ground that helps to connect to the earth the bioelectromagnetic frequency of the earth is quite strong and we can feel it through gravity even if you are on a hundred floors what do you call it, uh, skyscraper building you still experience gravity so the frequency of the earth is still present we are all connected to it and it is up to each one of us to keep activating that essential nature and for me i find that very helpful through the living wisdom traditions we work with to work with the breath to 
work with this uh, specific practices and exercises and maybe we can do a little bit of that to complete the session today. I can do a very simple Qigong movement that helps to really uh, awaken that inner nature and bring us back into it through the creative process. Just to come back into that childlike nature and suddenly this connection with nature inside becomes vibrant. And then we can experience, you can close your eyes and experience this connection that doesn't matter where we are, we, we cannot be imprisoned. Our spirit can never be imprisoned. It's boundless. It's immeasurable. It's unlimited. We've been inspired to share what's useful for us in these times. And many people in our community have been finding these practices very beneficial. And before I do the awakening of the inner nature movement, very simple movement, to complete our session, since I will share our schedule for this coming week. And uh, again, we share only what we find beneficial through our own direct experience. And that's what my teachers taught me. Never just share something that you read about or somebody told you that is good. No, only what you experience directly as the most beneficial and then it can be beneficial to others. Thank you everyone. So since I will share. Hi everyone. It's been great to see you in the comments and engagement. Engagement. Yeah, really great comments and questions. I just want to share really quick. We've been expanding our offerings because we've been getting a lot of feedback that it's been really helping and especially relating to what Roman was just sharing in this time when we're inside and in a lot of ways may feel separated and trapped and um, we've been amazed how connected we feel and how um, freeing, freeing and potent the practices have been through the virtual channels and so um, we have a number of programs coming up there's a, a music circle on Saturday or actually I skipped one the Friday, tomorrow, we have a breathwork session, and we've been doing series. This is just a session, so if you haven't done a series with us, we'll send an intro talk to listen to first. We'll um, sign up soon so you can watch the intro talk, because without the talk, the process itself is not so effective or yeah. meaningful. There has to be that contact. Or if you want to do a whole series, we have one coming up, a four-day series, April 22nd through 25th. And then we have this weekend, starting Saturday, we have a... Evolutionary of Language of Life, Dreamwork and Sacred Geometry as Real Life Blueprints for Individual and Collective Transformation. And that's Saturday through Tuesday. Then we have Saturday night, we have a old song circle. And then following the Dreamwork and Sacred Geometry, we have a Qigong series from Friday, April 17th to Monday, April 20th. And, and it's Qigong, an Indian art of being, and it's the Qigong that is based on the Taoist alchemy of immortality. Yeah. I put a link already in the comments where you can find more information. And so, yeah, we'd love to have all of you join us, any of you who are inspired. Everything is optional, donation-based. So it's accessible. Yeah. Wonderful. Qigong. And uh, it's a very basic movement. So... Um, having the hands in this position, you curl them up in this way, and then inhale, draw the energy through you. Inhale at the same time, and then as you bring them up, 
you turn the hands outward and expand that energy outward. So this helps to expand our individual electromagnetic frequency power field and reconnect to a natural state. So. Draw the energy out. Yeah. Very simple movement that you can do at any given point. So just ground and center yourself. opening the heart, learning how to be the fierce protectors of the fearless love to be accessed in this world. Thank you for reminding myself and I'm grateful to share my own reminders through this relatedness that this can happen. session for today. Thank you everyone. Much love to you and thank you for your love. Keep sharing it. The world depends on that. Thank you so much for joining us. If you have a question about what was shared today or wish to ask a question for us to cover in the future, please visit www.paititi-institute.org. That's www.paititi-institute.org. May all beings be happy and free.